All right, welcome Hope Grown Faith to another Monday Mom Mentor, where we are equipped and encouraged to nurture the hope of Christ in our homes. Today, I'm super excited to have Amber O'Neill Johnson. Amber, I should have asked you, do you go by the, the whole Amber O'Neill Johnson? Okay, you do, yeah. all right, good. <laughs> should have clarified that before. Well, I'm really <laughs> glad to have you here with us today. Thank you, thank you for having me, I'm really excited. Me too, all right, well, can you introduce yourself to us a little bit? Sure, I'm Amber O'Neill Johnson. I live in just outside of Atlanta, Georgia with my husband, Scott, and our four kiddos. They are uh, 12 and 10 girls and eight and six boys. And we have been homeschooling from the beginning. Um, and we are um, transplants here. My kids were all born here, but we are part of a beautiful church family here that steps in and serves um, as our real family because we're all about 12 miles, I mean, 12 hours away from our parents and siblings. Oh, that is so far. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty far. <laughs> are, are you and your husband from the same community? Well, we're both from the Midwest, Midwestern United States. So I'm in Illinois, I'm from Illinois and he's from Ohio mm -hmm. and our parents, our, our surviving parents and all of our siblings and most of our aunts, uncles and cousins are all there and up in the Midwest. So it's, it's hard, but we, you know, we make it work and we have what down here, we have family, you know, friends <laughs> that have become family. So we, you know, make it through with our family and we see our families when, whenever we can. I love that. And I love that your church is part of that family. That's, I know we have some of our members that are kind of trying to find a new church right now, which is kind of hard because a lot of churches are running oddly right now. Yes. So, so glad that you are able to have that community. For sure. Thank you. So we are here to talk about God and parenting and children and how all those things work together. So I have a question for you. How has your relationship with God affected how you parent your children? Oh, wow. I would say the biggest way for me is that um, it has humbled me in that I I try to balance like the need for me to show authority in my home with the need for me to um, apologize, to realize that I, I'm not always gonna going to get it right, that I'm still growing, mm -hmm. um, that um, God has given me these little people to guide and um, raise for a period of time, but they actually came here whole as their own people. And that I can't, you know, I can't be what I want them to be. I can't make them be what I want them to be. Um, but I need to raise them so that they hear his voice and mm -hmm. that they come to him when he calls. Um, not that they jump every time I snap, um, because I'm fallible. So I think, you know, that's a little bit different than what you know the way i was raised my parents were very loving but it was very much a like it's good you're gonna do this because i said so mm -hmm. and we were we were totally in church all the time and that was really great but i didn't have a personal relationship with christ so my relationship was through my parents like i don't disappoint my parents or make them upset and they are going to talk to the man for me you know <laughs> and to handle everything and so i think that's been you know as i've grown i've 
stepped aside to explain to my children that here on earth, I am your guide and I'm your leader and, and I have authority over you, but ultimately I'm pointing you towards him and you need to have that personal relationship. So it's just been tons of humility, I think more than anything else. Cause I thought parents knew it all and you know, they didn't have to struggle with things and that's not the case. That is such a good point that we are not perfect. And I love what you said about, I want them to jump when God snaps, <laughs> not necessarily when I snap. I mean, that would be nice, but of yeah, course I, <laughs> I do make a lot of mistakes and yes. make a lot of wrong calls. And that is really valuable to have that humility as a parent. And I would think that, yeah, having a relationship with Christ and knowing that I am a sinful person makes a big difference in that. So I also love what you were talking about, you know, pointing your kids to Christ and, you know, that you are their guide. So are there some things that you do in your home that you find, you know, I really love this, doing this with my kids, like some spiritual habits that you do with your kids or things that you've taught them to do that help them connect with God or the Bible? Sure. I think one one really kind of easy thing, I was thinking of other things that we do, and I'm going to share those, but this is such a part of the fabric of our home that I almost didn't even say it because I didn't think about it. And that is just talking about him, talking about him and talking to him at any time of the day, any day. It's not always like a very formal thing. Prayer for me was always very formal. It, there were certain times and certain things that we said and the way that we did it, but I've raised my kids to just be like, you know what? that's really good. And that's really important. Let's, let's ask him about that. You know, let's tell him, let's tell him how we're feeling about that. Let's ask him before we walk into this, wherever we're going, that might be hard um, to be with us. Or when we see someone in need, instead of saying, let's remember to pray for them later, we're just saying it, we're praying right now. So I think just talking about him and to him all the time um, has made it kind of a natural aspect of our family. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, Obviously we, we do Bible study every day and that has been important. Somebody gave me advice when my kids were really little and I'm so thankful for it in that I separated Bible study from school so that mm -hmm. it's not like a school lesson. Yes, we do it on school days, but even when we're on breaks or out of town or whatever, we still are doing that. So it's mm -hmm. more of, this is a part of our life that isn't tied to school. Um, and so that's been really good. And then finally it's singing hymns. That has been just a beautiful aspect of our family time together. Um, it's something that all of my children love. I'm not even a good singer at all. And, um, I still like, I, I really love it. And, and I love how forgiving, um, hymns are, especially when they're sung soulfully, like hmm. in the way that I grew up in my church, there's a lot of ad-libbing. Um, and a lot of, you know, kind of soulful renditions and we're all able to add into that. And then we have these songs to share as a family. That's very cool. So is that something you just started doing with them when they were babies? You would just sing with them? Cause I try to sing with my kids and I'm actually not a bad singer, but they just, there's something about singing that makes them like cringe. I don't know. Or like, yeah. like feel bashful. I don't know. I, I'm just curious how you started that. So we did start it like right from the beginning when my oldest and it was actually part of our school lesson. So it's on our little school schedule to sing our hymn each day. Um, and so we would spend, we spend about six or eight weeks on a single hymn and we'll learn all the verses. Um, we listen to it. We watch videos on YouTube of different people singing it. And um, I think it helps that the hymns that I usually pick are hymns that are 
um, songs that our whole extended family, we all know. So mm. I think back to summer before last, we were at our family reunion and on Sunday morning, um, they were in the hotel, we were in like a banquet room and my whole entire family was singing and my kids stood up and they looked at me with those expected eyes like, we know this. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> These are the hymns that have been passed down, you know, from my great grandparents and all of us know them. So I think that has helped them to have a desire to kind of participate in that aspect of like corporate worship as a family. That is beautiful. That is not a tradition that we have in our family. That's for sure. That is very cool, though. Like even, you know, if your kids are going to church and to be able to sing or even just listen to the songs that you're singing at church at home probably makes a big difference too. That is definitely something that's not been really great. Well done on my part yet. <laughs> Which is funny because I like, I used to teach piano and sing in choirs, but somehow it kind of got, I don't know, pushed to the wayside because my kids weren't super interested in that. But yeah, that happens. doesn't mean they can't be. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah, so uh, what about, you were talking about reading the Bible with your kids and how it you separated it from school, which I really like because a lot of our members are not homeschoolers. So yeah. you know, keeping it as part of your school day can feel like, well, I can't do that. Right. So how does that fit into your life? When do you do that? What does it we look usually, like for you? Yeah, we usually do it at the breakfast table. So okay. when we're eating breakfast, so I as much as I would love to sit and eat with my kids, I get up a lot earlier than them and I'm hungry when I wake up. So I usually <laughs> eat my breakfast and have my tea in the morning um, when just my little one is up because like no one can ever wake up earlier than him. Um, and we sit there <laughs> together at the table and then the older kids will come in. And just as I've already prepared breakfast and as they're eating, we usually just get started there. And, you know, every year it's different. Um, most years I am reading something from the Bible and then also reading like a devotional or some type of spiritual growth book at this, you know, alternating or doing them a little bit of both each day. But like this year I hadn't vetted a book. It was just a really busy summer and, and I just wasn't prepared. And I was like, that's fine. So we're just straight Bible this year and we haven't been reading another book and that's been beautiful as well. So I don't really get stuck or mired down into like having to follow a certain program because I find that that can stress me out. I don't like to feel like we're behind. Um, so we just open it up and we pick up where we left off and we just never stop. So we just, we swing back around. We finish. Mm -hmm. We finish the Bible, we just go back around and start over and cool. kind of seeing it as like a spiritual habit mm -hmm. um, that I want them to, I mean, this is what I tell them. This is what we do. Like, this is our life. This is for a lifetime. This is what you'll do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's been, it's been great. Yeah. I love that you're just reading the Bible with your kids. So, I mean, I don't know if everybody caught this from the beginning, but there are young children in your family. <laughs> so how do they respond to that? Have they just learned how to listen or do they kind of squirm out in the corner or how do you accommodate them? You know, I've seen it more like personality being more, mm. impact, a bigger impact in that than actual age because my six-year-old is super into it. He gets upset when we, when I stop a story because I mean, the verses keep going on, right? Yeah. Eventually I, I stop yeah. and we pray and we move on to whatever else we're doing that day. And he's like, no, you can't stop there. <laughs> he's very into it. So I think a couple of things. One, other than my oldest, the other children have all been born into this. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, I don't believe that they're aware that 
that there would be anything else or another way or not doing it. So I think that helps. I mean, it's, it's part of their lives. Um, but also, um, you know, taking it in smaller chunks and being able to like research and ask questions with them. And then also we'll use sometimes like little videos I find online that will cover part of the story that we're working on that day. Um, and I'll play those occasionally. I mean, once a week, once every couple of weeks. Um, but generally speaking, I think um, I don't sit there and keep them there for an hour going on and on and on and on, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, this is every day of our lives forever. So I don't feel that pressure to try to make them reach beyond their years in terms of their attention span, attention span. So we're just doing a little bit here and then it hasn't been a problem. You know, the biggest issue would be someone who's crabby and tired and it really wouldn't matter whether we're doing the Bible or anything else. They're just kind of going to be that way that day. And so yeah. I'll kind of look, I'll shoot them a little look. I can like channel like my grandma from back in the day, you know, like when you look down the church pew and you look at them and um, they sit up straight and they're like, oh, mama gave me that look. So we do that, but we do it at home. <laughs> oh, we have had those conversations before too, uh, both verbal and nonverbal. Yes. Like. I know you're grumpy, but you don't get to be like this right now. We're together. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I really love what you said about this is a lifetime thing. So there's not this huge pressure to spend an hour doing it. You know, if you're trying to maybe just do it once a week or once a month, you feel like, oh, I have to get it all in. But if you're just doing a little bit every day, some days maybe there's more. And some days if you just get through a couple verses and everyone's like, I can't sit still, then it's okay because, you know, tomorrow we're going to pick it up again. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't do it. You know what I mean? This is, it's, it's a habit and it's done most days, but not every single day, not 365 days. And it's fine. Like, because we're, you know, I, because we're so consistent, I don't even think about it when we miss a day. I don't feel upset about that or anything. So I feel like we don't have to put the pressure on ourselves because I don't want it to become like a legalistic measure. Um, you know, and I don't want it to be like a chore, like we're washing dishes, we must wash dishes, but it's really like relational, right? Yeah. Like we're coming to meet him, we're meeting our maker and we're talking and we're learning and we're growing. And it's like, um, it's like taking a bubble bath, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want it to feel like a, a, a chore or something that we feel guilty about if we're not able to do it that day. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's definitely been my approach as well. So that resonates a lot. <laughs> uh, okay, so I know that your your ministry, your website is uh, unique as far as what I've been able to find online. And I, I, we had done a unit on Africa last year. And unfortunately, I found your website well after we did that unit. And I was like, oh, I needed this. Because yeah. <laughs> the unit that we had done was not very well done. <laughs> oh, man. Like, oh, I felt like I was like adding all kinds of stuff to it. Anyway, yeah. so tell us a, a little bit about what you're doing online, because I think it's really unique. And I think that there is definitely going to be some people here who would like more of that in their life. Okay. Um, so basically, I um, set out you know, when my oldest was little, trying to, um, you know, raise them and have a very literary household with lots of books and different things. Um, and I thought I was doing pretty well. It was going well. But um, I... I later realized as she started getting a little bit older that she was never seeing herself as, um, or anyone that looked like her as a part of anything that we valued in our family. 
she wasn't seeing herself in the music we listened to, the poetry we read, the art we looked at, the books that were on our shelves. And um, it was really starting to impact her. She was starting to feel like that the things I was teaching her about how God felt about her um, and how wonderfully made she was, you know, she was questioning those things because she's like, well, everything that's important in this world is white. And, um, so when she said, I was like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? You know, my husband and I were on our knees. We're like, what did we do? Lord, please help us to like restart or help give us something. And after a lot of prayer, I still get emotional about it, but after a lot of prayer where I felt led was to just infuse our home with the beauty of all people. And to show her that God does not rank. And despite what she may have felt, even in our own home, you know, I apologize to her for not thinking through this or realizing what I had done. And also I had to learn, relearn things myself. Cause obviously I had received some, you know, bad messages myself that I was perpetuating. So anyway, I was like looking for things online and I'm like, where are all the resources people? And they just weren't there. And so I started sharing my book lists and um, writing about it and telling people what had happened with my daughter and saying like, hey, like things need to change. She shouldn't have felt this way and blah, blah, blah. And so I write about um, having a culturally rich home. And um, from the perspective of um, a home that loves Jesus and where my children feel seen and heard and where we value and celebrate others. So. I love that. So have, in your research, have you found books that kind of fit that mold and are also faith-based? I'm sure you have because I've seen yeah. a few, but... <laughs> Well, my, uh, my kids are always late telling me what to do. We have a lot, um, and there are some posts on my website with it, but one series that I really have um, clung to, um, it's by, I don't know if you're familiar with Winter Pitts. She passed away several mm -hmm. years ago, but she had written several devotionals for tween girls mm -hmm. um, before her passing, and they have spoke, we, we own all of them. They have spoken to my kids in unbelievable ways, um, like drawn them into relationship, just so, so good. Um, but her daughters, um, since Winter's death, um, her, their, her daughters have gone on to write their own series of novels. Oh. And in these novels, um, it's about the, the four sisters and it's for African-American girls and they are um, faith-filled books. So they're fun stories of different, one of them loves gymnastics, one loves to bake and each story stars a different sister, but their faith and how that figures into their story um, is represented in the books. And so I recommend those. They're all written by different ones, but you could look up like Olivia Pitts and her and all her sister's books will come up. Cool. Oh, I'm going to write that down, Olivia. Wonderful. That's exciting. And then even there's just been some better Bibles that have come out recently, too, that have illustrations that uh, look less like me. <laughs> yes, and that's been a huge aspect. I mean, I could go on with millions of stories, but yeah, one time my son was just like, oh, to be an angel, you have to be white. And I was just like, okay, well, first let's talk about what angels are and like how that, you know, but aside from that, like, why do you say that? And he was like, cause they are always white. Like he was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I was just like, er, er. I'm like, <laughs> okay, listen. Um, and so that's what led me to like looking for Bibles, devotionals, storybooks, 
um, that show what I really think um, God intended for mm -hmm. us. And that is to see a gamut of, of skin colors, um, mm -hmm. people of all types and sizes and shapes and colors and shades. Yeah. And I kind of removed some other books that were miscommunicating to my children from our shelves and replaced them with these. And it, it's done a lot um, mm -hmm. to help them understand what the body of Christ is really um, supposed to be about and how imperfect we are living that out today, but how it is going to be what we have to look forward to. And Absolutely. Talk about that. Yeah. And it's not just important for your kids. It's important for my little white boys too, right? To see uh, that and know that that is God's value is this beautiful diversity of colors and shapes and sizes and abilities. And that is something to value and not something to be awkward about, but something that's beautiful. Um, yeah. I think that's like, this isn't just a conversation for for black people this is a conversation for all of us right this is important that we we are aware and we intentionally look out books i mean it would be very easy for me to find every book <laughs> about a little white boy <laughs> yeah, yeah. really look hard to find books well not so much harder anymore and now it's getting a little bit easier um yeah. to find books about you know with main characters that are not exactly like my children so yes it is getting easier. I think now, you know, one of my challenges now has been um, balancing, yes, this book represents visually um, my family or other families of color, but now I'm looking at the content, you know, looking mm. to say, well, can we, like, that's not the only thing I want. Yeah, I yeah. Like here, we, you got you, this one. I was like, this isn't what I was thinking about though, <laughs> because I also have this value system that yes. I want to be upheld in our literature and everything like that. So things are getting better. We still have a long way to go. Um, and I think what you just shared is one of the areas where I've grown and learned in this process, because when I originally started talking about this, I definitely was talking to other mothers of color mm -hmm. and I was talking to white mothers with, a, you know, biracial or, or, you know, children of color. Yeah. And what happened was I had a lot of moms like you, Christy, that were like, hold up. I care about this. I want this. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so we're like going to do this thing together. They're like, we're going to do this thing together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where things really start taking off for Heritage Mom or whatever my platform is when I opened my eyes, my eyes were open to the vast um, need for these type of materials and that God spoke into my heart and showed me how many moms were behind and beside me mm -hmm. and that it didn't it, it wasn't limited by just moms of color and that has been just you know as broken as things are and how much you know you kind of the bad stuff you hear in the news in my world in my community I've seen how this could be different and how we can link arms and mm -hmm. um do something special with our children. Amen. I love that vision. So let's, we're going to have to wrap up our time here, unfortunately, but uh, we're okay. So first of all, you have a book coming out really soon, right? So I want you to tell us a little bit about that and then where can we find you online? Okay. Um, it's called a place to belong and it's the, the cover is not quite ready, but it's um, you can still look and read about it on Amazon and other booksellers right now. So a place to belong, Amber O'Neill Johnston. It's about a lot of what we've just been talking about, um, about raising children to um, love and see themselves while also celebrating and finding kinship with others. Um, and you can find me on heritagemom.com and on Instagram and Facebook at heritagemomblog. 
Perfect, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today, Amber. Thank you.